It's the Kid 50 Cent, and this is what's hot in the streets from Hot 97. WQHT, New York City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on police community relations and the fatal police shooting of 16-year-old Kamani Kiki Gray. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. And we're going to be taking your telephone calls live at 1-800-223-9797. And this case has gotten tremendous attention, not just here in New York City, but also around the country. So this is a good time to text your family members and friends. Let them know we're streaming this show live across the United States on hot97.com. All you have to do is just press the listen live button. Now, it has been just over a week since 16-year-old Kamani Kiki Gray was shot and killed in East Flatbush by two undercover NYPD officers. I've been out there most of the week covering this for Fox 5 News, so I want to share with you some of what I found out. And uh, we're going to find out even more from our panel, but just some basic facts because everybody's been working, going to school, running around. There's been different bits and pieces of information coming out. Now, uh, through the last seven days, we've seen tears, vigils, street disturbances, and a growing controversy over what really happened. And a lot of fear and concern, especially in the East Flatbush community, over what happens next. Here's what police say officially took place. They say undercover officers came up on a group of guys, of young men, on East 52nd Street in East Flatbush last Saturday night. When one of them, they say Kamani Gray, broke away and began acting suspiciously. And I'm giving you details from the official police statement here. The two cops got out of the car and went after him. They say Kamani turned around and pulled a gun, a loaded 38, out of his waistband and pointed it at police. The two cops fired at him, 11 bullets, seven of them, seven of them struck Kamani, three of them from the rear. And in just a moment, we're going to hear um, from the former chief medical examiner of New York City and find out what that means to this case, to this investigation, and to our understanding of what really took place there. Now, Police Commissioner Kelly said immediately that this appeared to be a justified shooting. It is the NYPD's policy to shoot if they feel, the officers feel their lives are in danger. But there's more to the story. Police released a photo of the loaded 38 that they say Kamani pointed at them. And Kamani's mother said she did not know that he had a gun. Now, while Kamani's family, the clergy, community leaders, um, the mayor and police, local police call for calm. The anger and grief among some of the community took an ugly turn. On Monday night, a splinter group broke off from a vigil. They looted a Rite Aid. One person punched the assistant store manager in the face, and then the mob trashed several other stores and smashed dozens of car windows. On Wednesday night, a scheduled vigil was canceled, but crowds took to the streets anyway and clashed with cops. Forty-six people, including Kamani's 19-year-old sister, Manifa, were arrested. She was given a summons and released. And against this backdrop of tensions, two distinctly different pictures of Kamani Gray have emerged. His grieving mother, Mrs. Carol Gray, held a press conference this week with New York City Council Member Charles Barron. She said he was a typical teenager who liked girls. He liked to stay out, sometimes a little bit too late. He was in high school. She said she did not know him to be in a gang and did not believe that he owned a gun. But the other picture presented by officials is a little bit different. It shows a troubled teen struggling with street life, especially over the la- over recent months. Since last fall, when Kiki turned 16, he's been arrested four times. There are YouTube videos 
in which he allegedly appears in gang colors, taunting members from a rival gang in opposite colors. And the two police officers involved, we've learned, have a total of five lawsuits against them for civil rights violations and false arrests. But the city, city's official person who handles this, that's the city law department, They say that that doesn't mean that the police officers necessarily did anything wrong. It's the city settling the case. Now, those two cops are on desk duty, while Brooklyn DA Charles Hines, who you heard here on Street Soldiers last Sunday talking about domestic violence, his office is investigating this case. And the police commissioner all throughout the week has said that he believes this was a justified shooting, that it pretty much was routine and went by the books. We did invite a representative from the NYPD to come on the show, but we did not get a response. So our question for you, do you believe Kamani Gray had a gun and police were defending themselves? or do you think he's an innocent victim of excessive police force? Give us a call right now, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Hit us up with a text at 75759 and tweet me at Lisa Evers. Now we have two of uh, Kamani's relatives in the studio with us. We're going to talk to them in just a moment, along with Trisha Acona-Francis, a lifelong uh, resident of East Flatbush who's worked with the youth and with the clergy there. But first, I want to start with, um, and we're also going to be hearing from City Council Member Jumani Williams, who was out in the streets this week trying to keep everything calm and trying to keep a focus on what he sees are the key issues. But first, we're going to start with uh, Dr. Michael Bodden and find out a little bit more about this autopsy, because when this information was released on Thursday, it angered many people. Now, Dr. Michael Bodden, you've definitely seen him on TV at some point. He's a former chief medical examiner for NY, uh, New York City. They're the ones that handle all of these autopsy cases. He's also handled many high-profile cases. You've seen him, seen him on HBO's Autopsy, and he's a, a correspondent, medical co- chief medical correspondent on forensics for uh, Fox News Channel. Dr. Baden, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Good to be with you, Lisa. Okay, now from what I, what I was able to gather... What There were seven bullets, according to the city medical examiner, that struck Kamani Gray. One entered his left shoulder from the rear. Two bullets struck him from the back of his thighs. Two bullets struck from the front of his right thigh. One from his left side in his lower rib cage. And one hit his lower left forearm. Now, many people assume that that automatically meant he was shot at by police as he was running away. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think, uh, Lisa, I don't know anything more than you just uh, stated. I'm not involved with the investigation in any way or shape. But it's not uncommon when somebody is being shot at to turn and to try to avoid the bullets so that even though a person may be facing the shooter, some bullet or a bullet or more than one bullet can enter the side or even the back depending on how the the person being shot at moves that could mean that he's running away it could mean that he's just trying to turn around to make his silhouette uh, narrower and uh, try to avoid the bullets and uh, whether or not the bullets should have been fired that's really up to a, a full investigation uh, by the police police commissioner kelly and uh, taking into account what any um, citizen uh, saw at the time of the shooting. So, Dr. Biden, just so we understand and be clear, because we don't have your medical background and your experience, it, you're saying it is possible that the bullets could have entered the rear, but he was still being shot at from initially from the front. That's correct, because 
assuming that the two shooters are pretty much, in this instance, are pretty much stationary, uh, the, uh, uh, the Mr. Gray being shot at, as he turns while the bullets are being fired, can cause uh, the result of the bullet hitting him in the front and in the back, depending on his actions, whether he's running away or whether he's just turning around. And he, what about the other issue that is, has been the source of a lot of controversy? And again, the investigation, this is very new. Um, there are a lot of details that we don't know at this particular point. But there is a lot of concern about this thirty-eight loaded thirty-eight caliber gun that police say that he had. They produced a picture of it. We showed it on the Fox 5 News. Um, they said there were four bullets in the chamber, but that... Kamani did not shoot the gun. Is there any way forensically to tell if he had that gun in his hand if there was no bullets fired? Well, there there should be some means that the police are doing right now to check whether he has his fingerprints on on the weapon or even on the bullets that are in the chamber and to trace the provenance of that gun, how he might have gotten it, to see whether or not he possessed it, whether he had handled it, um, and whether it was his gun. Uh, And this would also be um, uh, studied, investigated from anybody who may have seen the shooting. Also, the autopsy not only has the seven bullet holes, uh, in the body, but the trajectory in the body, how the bullets go, whether upwards or downwards, from right to left to left to right, and that would have to be reconstructed to see whether or not um, they occurred in the way that the police officers say, because the reconstruction of the trajectories can be important also. And Dr. Bod, let me ask you this, in, in terms of your experience, because you, you have handled many high-profile cases um, over the years around the country, is this idea of a gun being planted, as some people are suggesting, is that urban myth, or has, have you actually found that in some cases? No, that's not urban myth. That has happened from time to time, where a gun or a knife has been dropped at the scene when a um, uh, police or when there's been a, a, a shooting and, and somebody dying. Um, not so much in New York City as other places, but this is something that has to be taken into account, and that's part of what the police uh, commissioner's office would be looking into, just to investigate that uh, possibility, because it can occur, although it's very unusual, especially when other people are watching and looking. All right, so uh, so we, do, we can look forward to having some scientific evidence that might give people some peace of mind and closure and, and definitive answers about this. Yes, and there should be additional information, which isn't ready yet, uh, from the crime lab and from the reconstruction of where the two officers was, uh, was, were at at the time of the shooting and where uh, Mr. Gray was at the time of the shooting. All right. Th- Dr. Michael Bodden, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate your time. Good, good luck, Lisa. All right. Thank you so much for explaining that for us. Um, thank, you. thank you. Corey, I want to start with you on this. Our, our condolences to your family over the loss of Kiki. Tell me what happened and, and you know, how are you feeling right now at this point? Well, it's like from, from the story from his friends, it's like, Okay, they were on a corner. So police pulled up. 
Not sure what happened after that, but shots was fired at Kiki. Like now Kiki's no longer here with us. So it's like how are we supposed to feel knowing that someone that we grew up someone that we care about so much is is just gone, just like that. And the excuse is that he had a weapon. Now, for me, it's like, if you're a trained officer and you're looking at kids, I don't think you should use so much excessive force to take someone down. You should be, you're trained to do a job, so it's supposed to be easily to take someone down when a um, circumstance appears. Now, such excessive force, I don't think it was, it was, it was really that necessary. All right, so um, in terms of the, the NYPD policy, we're going to talk about that as well. Uh, let me bring in right now to the discussion New York City Council Member Jumani Williams. Jumani, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Okay, tell us about uh, how do you, you've, you said on uh, Thursday that you believe this is much bigger than just the Kamani Gray case. What do you mean by that? Well, my continued prayers, uh, obviously, for the friends and family. Uh, what I mean by that is because what they're trying to do is paint the anger that's out there based on the details of one police shooting. And that's just not it. This is exactly that. It's one police shooting. But we've had so many. We have so many problems uh, with the police and the community that have led up to this. So if we try to paint it on the details of one shooting, and not what these young people are dealing with day in and day out, year after year, then we've missed the boat. And the type of anger that we've seen last week is going to happen again. And at some point, you can't continue to ask people uh, to be peaceful, to be calm, when you continue doing the things that incite them to do the kind of things we saw before. So while I'm out there trying my best uh, to say, let's try to uh, focus the anger in a way that's the most constructive, at some point, it's hard to do that. And we tried to tell the mayor that, we tried to tell the commissioner that, and they're not listening, even to the point when the things happened, they dismissed it as just a disturbance. Um, and that's insulting to this community who has amazing issues of which the commissioner and the mayor can do a lot to assist and refuse to. What do you think needs to be done? Because I know, I know we only have you for a minute or two. What do you think needs to be done? Well, at first, they need to stop uh, when there's police shootings automatically beginning to make a case of a justified shooting. We need to wait until an investigation has occurred because that is insightful. These family lost a young person. They call them gang members, what have you. We call them our children um, that we love very much, and they immediately begin to build a case in the media. They don't put any information about the officer, uh, so they build a case just from their point of view without having an investigation, and that's insightful. Uh, in addition, the commissioner may have to acknowledge things like stop, question, and frisk, uh, not only driving a wedge between the young people in the community and the police. Uh, it's dangerous and actually has no benefit at all. Uh, two, and the, uh, third, uh, these young people that try to point them in directions, sometimes it's difficult because we don't have the resources that we need in this community. There's no community center within two or three miles. How can I tell young people, uh, don't do this, don't do that, and not give them an alternative option? Uh, and lastly, uh, you know, we are trying to get a handle of uh, the gun violence in our own community, uh, which we definitely have to. But again, that is difficult. If the only resources that we can get is more police, they use statistics and say we're deploying police based on statistics. Uh, but for some reason, we can't use those same statistics to say we need more after school programs. Now we you, need more community centers. But and that's frustrating. 
But you also said on Thursday something which which uh, really got some people in the, that were in the crowd that were around you at that street corner press conference a little bit upset. You said that we have to address the black on black violence. We have to ad- address the gun, like you said, the gun violence and the and the murder rate also. Of course, this is all the thing. Is, this is all part of the same discussion. There are some people who only have one discussion. Uh, there are young people making bad decisions. There are a lot of crimes being committed by young black and Latino men but onto other black and Latino men. We as a community need to put that into the conversation because that's an excuse that the police are using and it's just an excuse. It's not justified, but we want to take away that excuse. But in order to do that, we also need recognition that we're not getting the resources that we need to address that problem. You cannot tell young people to make better decisions and then not provide the resources for them to do so. Uh, and that along with the police trust. You have I'm trying to tell people to uh, wait for an investigation, but at the same time, the police lied to me about me when I had my incident with the police. So they have to take some accountability uh, for providing the resources and dealing with the trust issue that's in the community. All right, and, and Jumani, but what what do you say to the community, to your constituents? I, w- I was in East Flatbush along Church Avenue on, on Tuesday after the first disturbance Monday night, and a lot of the people, especially the, the women and especially the older people, were very, very nervous and afraid because of what was happening in the streets. What do you say to them? Well, listen, I'm a councilman. As a, as a councilman, I feel I have a, a duty to try best to uh, make the anger. I actually want the anger to increase. I just want it to be more constructive. And I have seniors, I have business owners, I have disabled folks, I have babies that all need to feel safe. So what happened on Monday and Wednesday, which is something the family asked for not to happen, is not going to help us get to where we go. Uh, so that's, so you're, that's condemning the, you're condemning the violence because in some places it was not characterized that way. Uh, I, well, I, I can't help the way the media portrays the things that I say. I definitely don't condone uh, the violence that happened. But I also don't condone ignoring the violence that happened and ignoring the anger that preceded it. And we have continually said that these type of things will happen if you continue to do things the way you're doing. This is historical, and it's the same type of communities that historically do it. Now, if we say people are angry, stop pushing because it's not working, they don't have the resources, people are going to begin to get violent, and you don't listen, that's also can't be condoned. And once it's happened and you have a commissioner that dismisses it just a disturbance, disturbance that also can't be condoned. So I don't condone what happened on Monday. I don't condone what happened on Wednesday. But I also don't condone the ignoring of the anger of a community and not fully addressing it. All right. New York City Council member from the 45th District in Brooklyn, Jumani Williams, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, Kamarli and Corey, I wanted to, want to ask you guys, in terms, in terms of in terms of Kiki, in terms of Kamani Gray, tell us, just tell us about like where was he at in his life at this point? Because you guys were really close to him. Um, Kiki's a good kid, man. Like playful. Like he he finished junior high school. You could see he got pictures with with his mom. Like Kiki was just a kid, like a happy kid. Everybody loved him. No matter who went around Kiki, you you always have to smile around him. Like there's nothing you could ever say that's that's bad about Kiki. But what about in terms of the last the the last six months or so since since the fall these arrests these videos on YouTube that are allegedly of him the gang colors that type of thing what did something happen that was there a change um I don't think anything anything happened to Kiki or there's no change I mean if if there's like a bad situation going on so they're gonna find everything that they can to make him look 
like a bad person right about now because they're trying to do they're trying to defend something that they that I feel that they wrongfully done. So anything that's possible to make Kiki look away, that's what they're gonna use. So with all due respect, and again we we extend our condolences to your family over this loss because any any kind of loss like this is tragic. But and the the mayor extended his his condolences to Mrs. Gray as well. The question about the gun. Did you know that he had a gun? Did he have a gun? Um, from my understanding, from people that I was with him, Kiki didn't have, every, have not have everything on him. The witnesses that was looking through their windows, he didn't have anything. So, I want to know how this, how that whole situation with the gun came about. Kamarly, what about that? You, you grew up with him in pretty much the same household. Yeah. Um, what What are we missing here? I grew up in the same household with him. His his mother, typically, like I said, she named she gave the name Kimani off me, and. Kimani's not that type type of kid. You get what I'm saying? Kimani's not known for having no gun. Kimani's not known for inciting like violence and stuff like that. And they're probably going to try to pull some, like you said, and I respect that question you just asked. You know why I respect that question you just asked? Because but every time something happens with like a Caucasian, the first thing they, the media comes out and they say is, well, maybe he had a mental issue. They try to find that they try to find excuses for what he did, but as soon as a minority from a minority community is involved in a situation, especially a tender situation like this, where two cops that's already known for bad stuff, like it's like they they try to dig up the dirt on the kid. They try to dig up dirt on the kid. Like why you didn't go dig up and find out? Okay, you say he's this and he's that. Why was he this and he that? You understand what I'm saying? For the Kiki, I know I always knew Kiki smiling, laughing. He he liked to he like he's he liked to like dress up nice. He, he liked to, to to talk about girls and stuff like that. Like average average sixteen year old. You know? Is the company he he be with? I don't know. All right, so you said you said something there, and we have so many phone calls that, that people that want to get in on this discussion at one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers, and we're talking about the uh, Kamani Gray, the fatal police shooting of Kamani Gray. You said that why they didn't ask, you know, why didn't people ask what led to this? That makes me think, was he getting influenced by other people? Was he turning in a direction that wasn't consistent with what his mother had, how his mother had raised him? I'm sorry, I don't mean him? to cut you, but um, don't, don't misinterpret me. He was not going in no wrong direction. Kamani, up to the point he died, up to... Last time, honestly, last time I saw Kiki was like two weeks ago. We kept a birthday party for my mother, his aunt, by my house. And he came in the house, and he's smiling. Everybody was there together. It was like a happy moment. Most of us, that's the last time we saw Kiki, a lot of us. You understand me? A lot of us, that's the last time we saw Kiki. And it's so sad. He came in the house, and he was eating like, he had like a big plate of food in front of him. And he was he was eating it, and my, my wife looked at him. And she was like, what are you doing with that big plate of food? You know, you act like you're a big man. And and like everybody just started laughing, like yo, he eat a lot, you know, you know, he, he eat a lot. <laughs> and he sat there, he started smiling, and everybody just started laughing, and it's amazing because we didn't know, like like I said, a lot of us, for a lot of us who was there at that gathering, that was the last time we saw him. You understand me? Yes, I do, and that has to be devastating for you right now. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So instead of them twisting it and trying to pull out all the dirt they can on him, why you didn't try to go figure out and say, oh, what's going on? person in his life what's going on in his life in the past year in the past two years i lost my other cousin to a car accident 
his older brother, Gerard Gray. Like, why you didn't go dig up that? How you didn't know that was mentally affecting him? Right? Why you didn't go look up that? Like, why you had to come? You don't know his mother's situation. You don't know what my aunt been going through since she lost her son. Why you didn't come up and go figure out, like, what was going on in the household? What's the situation? Right? The first thing you're going to dig up, oh, he, he, he was doing this, he was doing that. When I was Kiki age, man, I was doing way wild stuff. And look at me now. I'm married with kids. You know? I'm, trying, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do good. I got a decent job. And that same lady who, who the media want to, or who said want to portray his mother, because the first thing they like to say also is blame the parent. You could only blame the parent for so much. Because a lot of parents try, and I could tell you this straight up. My aunt tried, because she tried with me, and, and I could honestly say she's a part of who I am today, why I'm not in a certain type of life today. Because when I was in that life, she, she, trust me, she did what she had to do. She scolded me, she punished me, she did whatever. And did I listen? A lot of time I didn't listen. But guess what? It stuck with me still. You know what I mean? And that's what made me change a lot of my ways and become the father I am today. You understand me? Because of her. And Kamali, I think I sat in the press conference with Mrs. Gray when she was there with Kenneth Montgomery, who we're going to be hearing from a little bit later in the show, the uh, her attorney and, and Charles Barron. And she seemed very devoted to him. She's, it seemed like they had a very close relationship. She, but I have to ask you, and, and I know you're in pain right now, and I know this is a terrible time for your family. But could what was your reaction when you heard that they they said he had a gun? Did you say like my reaction when I heard they, they said he had a gun? Uh, first thing I was like, no, not not Kiki, not Kiki. You get what I'm saying? That's the first reaction, not Kiki. All right, Trisha Conan Francis, the principal of the, the high school in Manhattan, the architecture school that uh, one of the special trade high schools in Manhattan. He sent a letter talking about what kind of student Kiki was and that he had. Uh, very good hopes for him that he traveled more than an hour and a half each way to go to class that type of thing what upsets you most about this case you know first my condolences to mrs gray and the family that's one of the he's one of the people that probably looked into kiki and saw the potential in kiki i'm you know a lifelong resident born and raised in east flatbush and a lot of the young people kamali and a lot of them i've known since they were much younger and they call me up to when they have issues and you know or just want to talk and what a lot of people don't understand is that some of these kids come from situations just like the rest of us and they need assistance and what as as councilman williams says what are resources out there for them you know they look into kiki's past and says that he has a criminal record at 15 16 but what are we asking ourselves what is a 15 year old doing with a criminal record how are we helping him you understand what are we doing to prevent him what are we doing after school from three to seven to prevent him from being idle or helping him with his schoolwork you know you can't blame the parents because you know yes parents do have to take a certain amount of role but when you have a parent who's working two, three jobs who are going through their own situations. I read the story of Mrs. Gray that she did. Um, I read it last night. And she has she has issues as well. You know, she also mentioned that when he lost his brother two years ago, that, that affected him. Okay, but when you're, you're saying that, and I don't think anybody would argue that youth programs, more youth programs are needed, that there are more educational resources, that there need to be more resources in the community. Everyone is going to say that. But but people are saying over the last six months, the, the main issue is, is it possible that he, that, you know, did he have the gun? Do you believe the police account that he had the gun there, yes or no? I wasn't there. I don't know him personally, and... 
I wasn't there, so I can't I can't talk on that. Maybe, you know, his family could talk on that. All I'm saying to you is that after speaking to a lot of these kids, and these kids have been calling me since this happened, and after speaking to them, I can tell you, they're turning to me and saying, Trisha, why is anyone helping us? You know, I asked Corey um, last night, what do you want to become when you, you know, what do you want to do in your career? He told me that I was the first person that asked him that. So before we condemn these kids, we need to ask, how can we help you? When we see them on the corner, what do you want to become? How can I put you in the right direction and then maybe we'll have less issues within our community. All right, we need to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Norman Seabrook, the president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association. He sees many young men come through the jail system here in New York City. He's been committed to making peace on the streets and keeping young people, especially young men, from going into the system in the first place. We'll also be hearing from Kenneth Montgomery, the attorney for Mrs. Carol Gray, and your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. I'm your host, Lisa Evers, at Lisa Evers. Hot 97 is your Jay-Z and JT tickets. Listen all weekend to win your way into Yankee Stadium for that show. Tickets on sale now through Ticketmaster. We'll be back right after this. That's racist. Magic, what's some everyday racism you've seen? Yeah, I called my bank to refinance. You know, I gave them all my information. And, you know, when you fill out the paperwork and he sends that back to you, he definitely checked off that I was white. And that was all because I had an 800 plus credit score, man. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> and what are you? I'm African-American, man. That, that, that. That's racist. I know seeing black people with high credit score is unreal, but it is real. Wait, wait, what's your credit score? 800. What's your name again? (laughs) (laughs) The Cypress Sounds and Rosenberg Show with Kate Fox. Weekday mornings 5 to 10 on Hot 97. Hey, what's up, Tri-State? It's your girl, Jay Medina, and I want to talk to you real quick about my experience with LASIK eye surgery. Now, you know I'm up all night with you, 12 to 5 a.m. every night, and I can't even tell you how many times I've come home so exhausted and tired that I've fallen asleep with my contacts on. Now, for anyone who wears contacts, you know just how painful that can be. I woke up with my eyes red, swollen, and irritated, and let's face it, that's just not cute. So I had enough. I decided to do something about it, and I reached out to the offices of Dr. DeLaRusso. You have one chance with LASIK, so why not use the best doctors with the best technology? As a matter of fact, most LASIK surgeons were trained by Dr. DeLaRusso. And did I mention it's painless? They use the latest, most gentle, pulse-free Allegretto laser. So what are you waiting for? With offices conveniently located in New York, Brooklyn, Long Island, and northern New Jersey, you have no reason not to make that appointment. And if you're worried about costs, payments are so easy. With 24 months interest-free financing, you can't go wrong. It's a new year. Toss away those dated contacts and get with the new wave of LASIK with Dr. DeLaRusso. Call today at 1-800-EYE-CARE. That's 800-393-2273. Or go to DeLaRussoLaserVision.com. You won't be disappointed. The Metro PCS Five Borough Takeover Tour. Hey, yo, what's going on? It's the fiend of the microphone. Rock him along. Check it, man. It's the chef right here, man. Challenge finest. What up, boo? Peace, your highness. Ray Kwan and Rock him. Nobody beats the R. Check out my melody. March 21st at Stage 48 in Manhattan. Hosted by me, Rosenberg. With my man DJ Enough on the turntables. Tickets on sale at Ticketmaster now. Metro PCS has all the latest 4G-powered Samsung smartphones. Get into Metro PCS today and check out the all-new Samsung Galaxy Admire 4G, now just 79 bucks after rebates. Connect the Admire 4G to the blazing fast Metro PCS 4G LTE network for as low as 40 bucks a month with no annual contract and taxes and fees included. Stop wasting your time and money with big phone bills and dumb contracts. Switch to Metro PCS today and combine the power of the Samsung Galaxy Admire 4G with a truly unlimited 4G experience from Metro PCS. That's Samsung Admire 4G, now just 79 bucks after rebates. See store for details. Metro PCS, wireless for all. 
Stay connected to Urban America at AURN.com for the latest news, sports, and entertainment information. Your source is AURN.com. The news and sports segments, they're quick and they give me all the information I need. I can get it all there. I love the exclusives. Like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Tell everyone you know for the latest in urban news, sports, and entertainment information. Go to AURN.com, a service of American Urban Radio Networks. I can get all of that in one place. Where is it again? AURN.com. Numbers can tell us a lot. Hey, kids, it's 30 degrees out there, so bundle up. Even if you choose to ignore them. When it comes to your credit score, do you know what it means or what it can do for you? That's why from now until April 15, 2013, Wells Fargo is offering our customers a free credit score and complimentary credit report. And if you choose, you can have a one-on-one conversation to help you understand your credit situation, all without affecting your credit score. Wells Fargo, together we'll go far. Wells Fargo Bank and A, see a banker for specific promotion details. Every year, over 100,000 people fall victim to gun violence in America. I have two children. One is 16 months and the other is just two months. As a parent, it's concerning to know that we're not doing everything we can do to protect our children. The time for meaningful action is now. On March 21st, a broad coalition of concerned citizens will stand together to support the New York SAFE Act, a law with common sense protections including background checks, a ban on assault weapons and high-capacity ammunition clips, and increased penalties for gun crimes. There's been instances where young children have been struck by stray bullets in a playground or crossing the street in their stroller. The most important thing we can offer our children is safety, the opportunity to grow up in a safe environment. Now Congress needs to follow New York's lead to protect Americans from gun violence. Join with us Thursday, March 21st at the Harlem State Office Building on 125th Street and Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard at 4.30 p.m. Together, we can reduce gun violence and protect our children and communities. Go to nyvoicesagainstgunviolence.org to learn more. Become a Yankees Universe MVP member today. MVP members enjoy exclusive benefits highlighted by two field-level tickets to a select 2013 regular season home game. Members also receive a Yankees Universe long-sleeve t-shirt, a Yankees Universe drawstring bag, and a limited-edition C.C. Sabathia bobblehead. A portion of proceeds are donated to Memorial Sloan Kettering, benefiting pediatric cancer research. Join Yankees Universe by visiting yankees.com universe or by calling 800-GO-YANK. Hot 97 has linked up with iHeartRadio. Hot 97 always keeps you connected to hip-hop. And now you can stay connected to Hot 97 with iHeartRadio. Whether you're far away from home, on vacation, or closer to your smartphone than the radio, listen to Hot 97 on iHeartRadio. Experience iHeartRadio on your phone, online, or with the all-new iPad app. Catch the Cypher Sounds and Rosenberg Show, the voice of New York, Angie Martinez, Funk Flex, everyone and everything. Download the app for free now at Hot97.com. American Idol's down to its top ten, and yours truly, Laura Styles, was backstage in Hollywood catching up with the contestants. My name is Amber Holcomb. Please vote for me. My name is Burnell, and I am the next American Idol. I want that to be my trademark, like, what is Candace going to do next? Catch American Idol Wednesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. only on Fox 5. Yo, what up, people? This is Common, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 9-7. People, baby. Welcome back to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. We're talking about the police, state of police community relations, and in particular, the Kamani Gray case. He's the 16-year-old who was fatally shot by police last weekend in East Flatbush. It's been a very rough week in the community with street disturbances, uh, with people unable to have vigils because they ended up turning into something much worse. 
And uh, we're talking about the, the many issues here, including the one that is persisting in the community. Pol- the police department says this was a fairly routine shooting. Police Commissioner Kelly says it appeared to go by the books. But uh, there are many people questioning whether or not, in fact, the 16-year-old actually did have this loaded 38 caliber that police say he pulled on them, which was their reason for opening fire. So we're taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797 and hit us up with a text at 75759. We're joined by Norman Seabrook, president of COBA, the Correction Officers Benevolent Association. Uh, Corey Jonas, he's a cousin of Kiki, of uh, Kamani Kiki Gray, and also Kamarly Nunez. He's uh, his older cousin and grew up with him. Trisha Kona Francis, she's a real estate expert, but today she's here as a longtime resident of East Flatbush who works in the community. And Keith Montgomery is joining us. He's the attorney. I'm sorry, Kenneth Montgomery. He's the attorney for Mrs. I'm looking right at my writing here for uh, Mrs. Carol Gray, um, Kamani's mother. And Norman Seabrook, I want to start with you. When you heard about this case, what did you think? Uh, Good morning, Lisa, and and to the listeners. Thank you for having me. First of all, I think it's a very sad case. And when we lose our children to violence on the streets, uh, it it resonates in, in many communities as me being a parent. Uh, as me seeing uh, what the streets can do to a person, it's devastating. So to his mom, to his family, my condolences to them, and they will never be able to replace that child. But what it, what it appears to always take place is that we always seem to look for something to hang a blame on. It's because of this. It's because of that. I, the reality of it is because these young people don't have anything to do with their lives except for hang out on the street. They have no jobs. They are, they are not being teach, taught any skills. They're not doing anything constructive except for being able to, um, I guess, hang out with each other and promote each other. And, and that's how violence occurs. As far as the police shooting is concerned, as a law enforcement officer, no one knows what we feel when we put our hand on that gun and have to pull that gun in defense of our life and the lives of others, because we want to go home to our families the same way that we came to work. It's unfortunate that these things happen, but we are human beings and things happen. Now, it, the, the questions become, did the young man have a gun? Did the young man point the gun? All of those things things will come out but the gun was found the the he had the weapon. Was he going to fire the gun? We don't know whether he was going to fire the gun or not. But at the end of the day, it's not whether you're going to make believe you're going to shoot me or not. You pointed the gun, and that's um, enough for the officer to, re- to I, use deadly physical force. I don't want to cut and you right now. Using deadly physical force, we have so, to. So you're saying when police, when you pull, if when you pull a gun on, on police, they have a right to shoot you? Absolutely, they have a right. In, not in Kiki case, just in general. So when you pull a gun on a cop or you Ever, have a gun, I, the cop I, has a right to, to shoot that? you, kill you. The cop has yeah. a right to use deadly physical force. All right, let's bring in K- Kenneth Montgomery. Go right yeah, ahead. Yeah, listen, I, I, there's been a lot of conclusions that I've heard. I, I've grown up in New York City. I was grew up in, in, in Brooklyn and in Brownsville and other areas. I was a prosecutor for some time, so I've worked with the police, so I know what goes on behind the scenes. I'm a defense attorney, and I teach at Fordham Law School. The issue is, did he have a gun, one, and did he point it? Simply because a gun was found, that doesn't mean he had a gun. Now, let me explain that. You can go on the books, and you can look in, uh, in fact, I believe he's passed now. It was a judge by the name of Gus Reichback. It was a very important case that was in front of him this year, 
or actually last year, where you had New York City police officers testifying that they flake people. I don't know how many um, uh, citizens are listening and know what that means, but that basically there was evidence in this trial where the New York City police officers said, um, yeah, we flake people, meaning that you blame innocent people. Now, let me go back a little bit more in American history in the New York City Police Department and other departments. They are operated as paramilitary, particularly in urban areas against black and Hispanic youth. And I don't care if Mayor Koch was the, pre- the mayor, David Dinkins, Bloomberg, you pick them. Anytime there is a cop shooting, they rush to justify it. Every single one. All right, so Kenneth, Kenneth, but hold on for a second. Even in the Louima case, there was a rush to defend these police officers because the the air and the um, environment is that these kids or this person had to do something wrong. All right, but let's talk about. Let me talk about. Let's let's get back to specifically to this case. Do you believe he had a gun? There is no, I don't, because you know why I don't? Because there are witnesses who say they didn't see him with the gun. I would love to. I would love to talk. I would love to talk to those right. witnesses. Well, well and would problem. totally protect this, their this identity. Case, this investigation should not be uh, in the public forum. At least witnesses talking to the public forum. These witnesses need to speak at this point to the district attorney's office or any independent investigator who is truly trying to find out what happened. Because just like people want to stigmatize this kid. This information that these police officers were giving anal cavity searches. They were assaulting and uh, brutalizing okay, people. Okay, Kenneth, I don't, I don't think anybody... Any, Lisa, listen, me... there's, there's, good, there's good cops that do their job the right way and care about the community and try to keep calm. And there were many of them that we saw out there in the streets this past week showing tremendous restraint I, I think, when they got thrown, being, bricks my, got my thrown at them. Being, but there's also bad ones, too. I don't think anyone's going to... We don't need to debate that. You want to say something, um, Corey? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to state a real fact, Okay. Kiki and his friends, they were all at a gathering. There's, there, there's like a couple hundreds of kids that was there. They was all at a gathering. Where they killed Kiki was exactly around the corner on Church and 51st. So, 52nd. I mean, 52nd. 51st was where, Friends 51st was where they were. Kiki got killed on 52nd, okay? So, I want to know, there's heavenly armed security guards that search all these kids. And there was police on the street at that time, because the security guards always make sure that there's police around the area. Where did Kiki have time to get a gun? Leaving that vicinity. The police say that he pulled it out of his waistband. There's How also he, he just left a party. The police also gathering. said Amadou Diallo that? had a black object in his hand because they do and they know the cold so, word. And they also said Amadou Diallo had a, had a shiny object. There in was it. a girl that got killed in the 30s. They also said Eleanor saying she pulled out a, a knife. This is, what about this, that? This, this, hold on a second. This this is a topic that will will we can't keep talking. We're not talking about Eleanor Bumper's case, and it's Listen, unfortunate. Are, hold on, hold on, brother. Hold on, brother. I allowed you to speak. Hold on, brother. Okay. Kenneth, hold on. Kenneth, hold on one second. Kenneth, hold on one second. Kenneth, hold on one second. And if he's he's an attorney, he certainly should understand the law involved here. Now, I'm not saying that. Kenneth, let him make his point. I'm not saying that. Kenneth, let him make his point, please. But I'm certainly not going to sit here and let this guy talk to me and talk to the public like all law enforcement officers are bad. There are some bad apples out there. I'm not 
saying that they're not. And I'm not saying that this brother that got shot did anything wrong. I wasn't there. But what we're talking about here is whether or not there's justifiable use of deadly physical force. And if the police officers say that this person turned on them with a... We with, hold the on a second, my Kenneth, friend. Kenneth, let him finish his point, please. That the, if the police Kenneth, officers turned on point. them with a the firearm, then they have the right to use deadly physical force? Yes, they do. That's part one. Part it two, is. as far as whether or not the young man uh, had his life taken away from him and he didn't have a gun, you, me, or anybody else was not there. Was there a gun recovered at the scene? Yes, there was. And I know for a fact, this I know for a fact, we have to do something with the young people in the city of New York before we continue to lose more and more of our young brothers and sisters on the streets because all we do is get on shows like this and talk about yesterday and the day before yesterday. Let's talk about what we're going to do for tomorrow. All right, and I want to bring in uh, Mrs. Carol Gray right now, uh, Kiki's mother. Mrs. Gray, th- thank you so much for joining us, us and our condolences to you. I can't, I can't even begin to, to address this mess. I want you to ask your speaker that's speaking for the police. Do he know what it feels like just waking up this morning? Yes. Mrs. Gray, if you could turn the radio down and then we can hear what you have to say because I'm sure everybody wants to, to hear what you have to say and we want to definitely want to give you this opportunity. If you could turn down the radio in the background, then we can hear you better. And I think you'll be able to hear us better. Mrs. Gray? Okay. Okay, that's much better. Thank you. Yes. And again, our condolences to you over this loss. Thank you. And you were saying... Me? You were saying about the speaker, you were taking issue with, with what Norman yes. Seawick was saying. He woke up this morning, and none of his family members missing. But I woke up this morning, and I can't make breakfast with Kimani. I can't tell him don't use no more bacon, Kimani. Does he know what it feels like to go and pick a suit up for your son? Knowing you never get to see him walk in it. Just lay down in a suit. Do you know what it feels like? This Mrs. Jumani, I, I, I do not know what it feels can like, sister. Can you tell me why? Can you please tell me why? When Gray. I got a phone call, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, can you please tell me why when I got a phone call all the way from East New York, okay? Yeah, my son was shot. And it took me more than 20 minutes to get a cab to get to Kings County or to get in the 50s. Why Kimani was still laying down there? Why Kimani took so long to leave the scene? Why it took so long to pick him up? Why didn't you save him? Why didn't the cops make the residents, the neighbors, the, the, the people in the society around there see what was happening to Kimani? Why they raised guns at the crowd, pushing them off? What were they doing with Kimani back there? What were they doing with his body? What were they touching him for? Why didn't they let family and friends see what Kimani was doing? What was happening to Kimani? People that Kimani called out to, cried out to, shout out their names for help, help. What did my son say? Don't shoot, don't shoot. I'm down. Tell me why. You please tell me why. Tell me why it took him so long to get to the hospital. I never see a doctor cry before that look after a patient. And the doctor came to me with tears in his eyes. And he said, Miss Gray, Kimani took so long to get here. I couldn't save Kimani, but he lost too much blood. I never going to get to 
good Kimani graduation. Do you understand that? Yes, Kimani is out on the street. Yes, faculties of life, struggles of young people. They want to be out there. I was young. You was young. We don't want to be home. We consider our parents as miserable. Yeah, they're nagging. They annoy us. Even if Kimani on the phone, Kimani thinks I'm nagging. I said, Kimani, girls have parents too. They will hear them in the background talking. Okay? Don't be afraid. Let them know that you live home with your mother and you have to show respect with your mother. Certain time of night, phone call is over. Certain time of night, you have to take a shower. Certain time of night, you have to press your clothes for school in the morning. It's hard. I can't wait, Kimani, have no more for school. Kimani, go to school every day. Yes, in the past six months, it's been a chapter with the law. Yes, Kimani was. But guess what? As I say, life struggles as a young person. Every day, infractions, minor infractions. Okay, but Kimani would never hurt anyone. The people in my neighborhood, the majority of my people in the neighborhood is older people, senior citizens that love Kimani, love him dearly. He carry bags for older people. He lifts them. He lifts babies up for mothers who's pregnant. Kimani is helpful. I got three grandkids. And Kimani will never get to take them anywhere to the park, give them a bath anymore. Every day I struggle with them asking me, Grandma, Grandma, where's Kiki? Because Kiki always come in and pick them up and flip them all over. If they sit down eating their food, it will just pick their meat out. We can't replace that. We can't get it back. And all I ask for is justice. Justice. Nothing else. I don't want no war. I don't want no violence. I don't want anyone else's kids getting hurt. But I want to say today, after you hurt Kimani, whoever it is, Whatever your name is, no other young kid is going to get hurt again after Kimani's speech. This is Kimani's speech. I am Kimani Gray. I am speaking for Kimani Gray. Because Kimani Gray can't speak for himself this morning. You don't understand that. So before you get on the here in public here and an address that a police officer has to shoot, Give them a reason. They're here to serve and protect us. I walked through the neighborhood where Kimani was killed, and I can't even count the amount of officers I see. And I grew Kimani in that neighborhood. I live in that neighborhood for more than 18 years, and I never see anyone on the corners so much to protect us, even at night, to come out of the street, just walk free at night, coming from a party. Kimani was just being a young man, a young man that you was, a young woman that I was. I don't see anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong. And I'm telling you, don't call me in this, but it's, if something was even wrong, why one shot? Why two shot? Why three shot? Why four shot? Why five? Why six? Why seven? He belongs to me. Seven, seven were actually touching. They fire a total of 11 speech. shots. He's my baby. He's my son. He's my child. We're well, up at night to hear him ring the bell. Ain't no flags come to my door. Ain't no bullets in his pocket. When I check him out of his pocket at night, I might find condoms. Only condoms. Condoms. That's it. Condoms. She does that. Nothing else she but does condoms. That. She always check out pockets. She checks his pockets, Listen, his I bag, his book bag. Auntie, auntie. <laughs> Auntie. Mr. Mrs. Gray, I Auntie. don't want to... Mrs. Gray, thank you, thank you Auntie, so much. Auntie, yeah, you see when, when she says she checked pockets, I could elaborate on that. Because, like I said, when I used to live with her, like, I was a Kimani had a curfew. You understand? Kimani had a curfew. Yes, he's late sometimes, but he had a curfew. And like any other mother, you so much wish 
to hear that doorbell rings, okay? No matter what time they get in, you'll be happy as a parent, and you could just step to the side and turn in the corner and say, thank you, Jesus. No matter how crazy, how mad you are, how much you trend, what you're going to do to them when they get inside. But Kimani makes it inside every night. Kimani makes it to school every morning. Yes? He's late at times, but he makes it there. Ain't no gang ball into my house. Ain't no bloody blood out. Ain't no creeping trip out. Ain't no waiver. Ain't no flags. Ain't no pledge. Ain't no meetings. Ain't nothing, ma'am. Nothing but a family raising a young boy who has dreams, who wants to be somebody, who wants to help me, who wants to further his education. Yes, he struggles. He's a young man. By that don't mean you have to take my son from me. You have to take my baby from me. It's not right. And all I want is justice for Kimani Gray and all the other black kids or young kids anywhere around the universe who's been hurt by these police officers who are trained to protect us. To protect us. I've been out in the street. They will have no manners. They will speak Okay, Mrs. Mrs. Gray, Mrs. Gray, I'm I I, I don't want to I don't want to cut you off. We're we're we're, we're almost out of time. We're almost out of time for the show, and I just I want to thank you. Hold on one second, Kim, please. Um, Mrs. Gray, our, again, our, our condolences to you. We hope that we see the truth come out about what actually happened. I know thank a lot you. of people feel that way. Thank you. And that's um, all we want is the truth. And thank, thank you. you. And it, it speaks to your it speaks to your family that you have family members. Um, like the two two young men that are here with us in studio today and yourself calling in that you are speaking out publicly on behalf of your son. So, again, our condolences to you. You know, nothing could be worse for a mother. And uh, we'll, we'll be praying for you and for your family and also for truth in this case. Thank you so thank you so much. All right. Thank real real so quick. Welcome. Thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Kenneth, in term, we just have a couple of minutes. In terms of the investigation, where does it go from here? What is the hope of actually getting... Solid. Well, well, obviously, what happens in a situation like this is that the police department is going to try to police themselves. Uh, the district attorney's office is going to gather facts and begin investigating to see if a criminal action should be brought. And uh, other, there's other entities out there, such as the, the feds, uh, who can impact that as well. So right now, it's information gathering to find out what happened. And what I want to briefly say is, obviously, our youth are being sold prison culture from these corporations on a daily basis. You have a president of the United States who states his favorite rapper is Jay-Z and Young Jeezy and not picking on those guys. But when you have a young kid and you tell him to go to college and go to school and then he watches television and he sees the inauguration of Jay-Z rubbing elbows with the president, what are you going to tell him about the actions or the decisions he's making out there when they are so oh, Okay, Kenneth, I, I can't. Kenneth, I, Kenneth, I can't. I can't. I can't get off on onto the uh, the, inf- fine, the influences and, and many people. And many people. I understand. And many. I un- I understand. I really have to cut. We're, we're out of time. Kenneth, I'm sorry. I'm there s- are some police officers who are bad apples. Well, it's I don't think like anyone would argue else. with that. There's, there's bad apples culture. in every bunch. There's a, Kenneth, there's I, I'm out of I'm out of time. I'm out of time for the show and I'm very I'm very sorry. And also I think many people look at Jay-Z as an example. He came out of Marcy and turned his life around and became a huge success. But that was Kenneth Montgomery, attorney for Mrs. Carol Gray. Norman, a real quick response here from you because they're just out of I, I, I feel for, for the parent, but like I said, we have to do something for the young people besides give them the corners of the city of New York. We got to do something, Lisa. This young man sitting across from me, he he said when he first started that he 
changed his life. He's a parent now and he has children. There's another young brother sitting next to me over here. The question, because when they leave here, what do they do? What is there for them to do besides go back to the same environment that we come out of? And and you know what? I am not saying that these police officers are right. I am not saying that this young man is wrong. What I was directing the question to me and my response was, does the police officer, correction officer, law enforcement officer have the right to use deadly physical force when someone points a gun at them? The answer is yes, they do. And as far as the young man being 16 years old is concerned, I believe this is what my inner gut tells me. Somebody gave this young kid the gun, said, hold this for me for a second, the older person. All right. And this kid got trapped off with that gun. Now, the person that put that gun in that young man's hand, that's the person's ass that need to be jammed up right now. Not this young man. All right. All right, Norman Seabrook, president of uh, the Correction Officers Benevolent Association, thank you very much for being with us. Corey and Kamarley, I want to give you guys the last word real quick here. Uh, like, I just want to touch on what he said because he's talking like he was there. And you know what I mean? I get what you say. It, it does happen. These stuff do happen. But guess what? You wasn't there on this situation. No forensic evidence came out yet. No witness came out yet and said Kiki had a gun. So don't elaborate on Kiki's I didn't case. say that. Not brother. elaborate uh, on Listen Kiki's to what I'm saying. I did there. not say that. That's what I'm saying? I said no, if you, the you person had okay, a we're really out of time. We have I'm another sorry. show that's coming up. I did not I just, say just that. Say, just right, can please, I finish my piece, please? Thank you. One, not one if last you're not word. going to tell the truth about he, it. You're that's not. not. That's not what he said. We need. I wanted to end on a note on... Uh, All right, I'm calm. But like, like I said, on a better note, I want to thank everybody on the behalf of my family who've been out there marching for Kiki. Because you're not just marching for Kiki no more. This is bigger than Kiki. You're marching for people like Chantel Davis, who was killed on Church Avenue by Officer Atkinson, and nothing came out of that. You're marching for Ramali, Ramali in the Bronx, who they chased in his house and killed him. You're marching for a whole lot of innocent people. Who knows? You might be marching for yourself. You might be marching for your kid. I got kids. My kids are seven years old. It could be them in a few more years. We're marching for our community. So we got to march. And no, my family do not condone none of that violence on that right aid. And they keep trying to promote this as Brooklyn riot. There's no Brooklyn riot because it's not the whole Brooklyn doing nothing. Okay. I want to thank you very much for being with us. Uh, the relatives of Kamani Gray, that was Kamali Nunez, his older cousin who grew up with him, and Corey Jonas, cousin of, of Kamani Gray. I want to thank you for, for being with us. Trisha Kona Francis um, who grew up in East Flatbush and working with the family and the community there. I want to thank you. Kenneth Montgomery, attorney for Mrs. Carol Gray. Um, thank you very much for, for being with us. Norman Seabrook, president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association. Uh, we appreciate your time and your expertise in, in explaining the law enforcement perspective. And Jumani Williams, New York City Council member uh, from Brooklyn and also uh, noted f- world famous uh, former chief medical examiner and forensic expert, Dr. Michael Bodden. I want to thank you very much for, for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers and for um, Alana, Michael, Jay, Patrick, everybody that's been hanging on the phones. I'm sorry we didn't get to the phone calls this week. Um, I'm going to have to make that up to you. But follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers. Check me out on the Fox 5 News at 5. I want to thank my whole crew here at Hot 97, our Vice President for Programming, Ebro. Happy birthday, Ebro. Our Assistant Program Director, Carly Hustle. Marketing Director, Senior Marketing Director, Denisha Benjamin. Our Digital Director, Jeffrey Thacker. My Executive Producer, the one and only Tone Capone. Associate Producer, Angelique Tyree. Our Production Supervisor, Andrew Veris. Um, Board Op TJ, who's basically been doing three jobs today. So, TJ, thanks for holding me down. And please check me out on the Fox 5 News at 6 and 10 tonight and at 5, 6 and 10 during the week. Follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers and you'll know the latest of what's going on. We'll keep you informed there. Have a great week everybody. Remember use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Peace. Jay-Z. Justin Timberlake. Passes all weekend. I can't wait to get you on the good
97's Jay-Z, JT Weekend. Jay-Z and Justin Timberlake are coming to Yankee Stadium. All weekend, only Hot 97 has your passes, but it's once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah, I'm talking, yeah, yeah, I'm talking re- You ready? Win passes all weekend or buy them at Live Nation now. Western beef where you shop much more for less.